We're going to be in Luke chapter 18 this morning. Luke 18, and we're continuing our series uh, called Summer Stories. We've been looking at different parables that Jesus told. This morning I've entitled the message, Embracing Humility. It's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. We'll begin in verse 9 of Luke 18. I'll give you just a moment to keep turning there. Let me remind you, uh, before we dig into this passage, uh, if you're new with us, or maybe you've never heard the term parable, or maybe uh, you're unfamiliar with it, uh, parable was a story that Jesus told. He used it as an illustration. And so uh, parables uh, aren't necessarily true in a sense of what happens in the parables, but the fact, obviously, that Jesus told them and shared them uh, was true, but he used them as a way to teach. And what he used them uh, to teach about was the kingdom of God. And so as he told a parable, oftentimes he was teaching a principle that he knew would be difficult to grasp if he didn't use something that was plain uh, to a lot of people. And so we'll begin in verse 9 of Luke 18. It says that he, that's talking about Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Well, the Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, wouldn't even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Father, we pray now as we come to your word, as we do each and every week, that you would move in our hearts, help us to see clearly what your word has for us, help us to not only see the meaning, help us to see the application, but Lord, most of all, help us to obey. Lord, as all of us think about our own lives, we're all guilty of being prideful in some ways, so reveal that to us this morning, help us to be more like Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. Has there ever been a time in your life that you feel like you've had to warn someone of something like over and over and over, and they, it just seems like they never get it? And every single time, you know, that this thing comes up, you repeatedly warn them over and over to watch out for this or don't do this or do that instead, and it just seems like they don't get it. You know, sometimes I think about uh, how the Bible is and, and what it says over and over, and I think there are some times that God must feel that way about us. You know, over and over and over, he warns us or tells us of certain things, and it just seems like we don't get it. 
And when I think about one of the things that the Bible repeatedly warns about, the word comes up over and over of pride. If you think about Proverbs 16, 18, it's probably uh, the most famous verse on pride. Here's what it says. Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. And in James, which is all the way toward the other end of the book, says, James 4, 6 reminds us that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, over and over throughout all the Bible, warnings and warnings and warnings of watch out for pride. Don't be prideful. Yet over and over and over again, let's just say humanity, but also I know sometimes it makes us feel better to paint with a broad brush. Let's go to individuals, us, you, me. Over and over, it seems like we don't get it. Over and over, you deal with pride. Over and over, I deal with pride. And we have to continually remind ourselves of these warnings. Pride continues to be something that we struggle with. And here, Jesus tells the people around him a parable to illustrate the dangers of pride, but also the importance of humility. And so as we read this today, the fact is, some 2,000 years later, this parable, this story, this point, it remains true today that we need to hear this. We need to reflect on this and think about this. And as he tells this story, he begins by introducing us to two characters in this story. It says that there were two men one a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. Now, as this story begins, notice what Luke tells us. He tells us the reason why Jesus told this story. There were a group of people standing around who fell into one of two categories. Each one of them did. It says, he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, this is verse 9, that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. So you had those who dealt with pride, and then, of course, maybe some around them that they were looking down upon. And so there were two people in this story, and look at what they did at the beginning. Verse 10, they both went up to the temple to pray. They both were doing the same exact action, yet the divider between the two of them was that one was a Pharisee and one was a tax collector. Now, the term tax collector, even 2,000 years later, kind of gives us not a very good feeling, Right? I mean, nobody likes to see a tax collector or hear from a tax collector. Nobody likes the, um, you know, the logo even of the IRS. You know, you see one of those envelopes uh, in your mailbox, and it kind of gives you a weird feeling before you even open it, right? Nobody likes a tax collector. But in Jesus' day, it was even more to the extreme. Because tax collectors in Jesus' day, they worked for Rome who... Uh, in a lot of ways, were oppressive to the Jews. They had taken over Israel. And so they worked for Rome to collect Roman taxes. And as they worked, they were allowed to basically upcharge whatever they wanted. And so when you went to the tax collector, he could tell you that you owed a certain amount, and he could pocket whatever actually he wanted and give the rest that you really owed to the Romans. And so tax collectors were seen as thieves, but they were also seen as traitors because, again, they worked for the Roman government. They were willing to go work for the opposition, if you will. And so nobody liked a tax collector. And oftentimes in a list of what we would call sins or sinners, Jesus would use that as an illustration. Or other people would look to the tax collectors as the top sinners. 
And so Jesus uses the tax collector to represent that side of it. Then he says there was a Pharisee in this story. Pharisee was the other end of the extreme. The Pharisee, that was the religious leader, the person who was supposed to have everything together, the person, the person who was supposed to be the closest to God of anybody in that society. The Pharisee was the one that everybody looked up to and the one that everyone wanted to learn from about what it meant to be holy, what it meant to follow God. And so there were two different types of people here. But there was another huge difference between these two, not only in their roles in society, but the other huge difference was that one was prideful and the other was humble. And let me just say, just like the Bible warns of pride over and over again, the Bible tells us over and over again that God honors humility. So there's a side of it that he warns of pride. There's another side of it over and over that he honors. He says he honors humility. Matthew 18, verse 4, Jesus says, Whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Psalm 149 verse 4 says, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. And so this morning, I want us to think about and ask the question, what does it look like to be humble? When you think about your own life, what does it look like to be humble? Are you a person of pride or are you a person of humility? And how would you know? What markers should we look for for humility in our lives? And we're going to see a few here in this passage, and we're going to begin again with this story here in verse 11. Now we're going to look and see kind of the picture of pride. It says, the Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. Now you can imagine, it doesn't give us this detail, but you can imagine maybe praying loudly, praying where he can be heard by other people. And listen to what he says. God, I thank you Man, what a great way, by the way, to start a prayer. I thank you. But listen to what he says. I thank you that I'm not like other people. I think that's what we would call today a humble brag, right? It kind of sounds humble, but it's not. It's just a brag. I thank you that I'm not like other people. Greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. You know, I thank you that I'm not like him. Man, when you, you can just hear and, and feel the pride oozing out of that prayer, can't you? Man, he was prideful. Then he goes on to say, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. Now, why did Jesus mention these as things that this Pharisee would mention? Because both of these situations... Uh, fasting twice a week and giving a tenth of everything, and by saying everything, it included every single thing that he had or got. All of this was actually above what the law required. And so, man, this guy, when it came to it, he thought he had a resume. I mean, I, I do all these things above the law, and look, I'm not like all these other people. I'm not like this guy over here who's this tax collector who thinks he honors you or thinks he's doing something good by praying. I'm the good one. I'm the righteous one. And over and over, he prays all of these things, but here's the truth. God was not pleased with this prayer. Now, how do we know? Well, we know that from two ways. One, when you look at verse 11, the beginning of it, 
It says that the Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. Now, the actual Greek construction, and you may see if you've got a different translation, can sort of imply almost that he was praying to himself. I mean, this guy was alone in his prayers. In other words, it's showing us that almost like God didn't even hear or acknowledge this prayer because of this man's pride. It was as if he was praying to himself about himself. Not only that, we know that another reason why God was not pleased with this prayer is because when it came down to it, this man really was not righteous. This man wasn't righteous. He was self-righteous. And how do we know that? Well, it's because he applied his own standard of righteousness. He said, you know, look around at all these other people. I'm just as good or, or better than all of them. And so, therefore, I'm righteous. No, he was self-righteous. I remember in school, sometimes we would have projects or tests that teachers, and I, trust me, I was thankful when they did this, would grade on a bell curve. You all remember the bell curve? Bell curve kind of would say, like, whatever the majority of the class got uh, on the, the project or test, let's say from 80 to 90 was the majority, then that would be kind of the, the top of the scale for an A. And so you were more likely to do well if the teacher graded on a bell curve because you were, your score was compared to everybody else's. And I think that's what, as this Pharisee's praying here in Jesus' story, the picture that Jesus is giving off, that this man was hoping that God graded on a bell curve, that if he did just as well or better than everyone else, then he was righteous. But I want you to know that nowhere in the Bible does it say that God grades on a bell curve. God does not grade on a bell curve. And when you compare yourself to others, like we can all find somebody that we look better than. But when you compare yourself to the righteousness of the Lord, every single one of us falls short. We all fall short. And let me tell you, God isn't looking for self-righteous people. God is looking for people who are real, who are genuine, who are honest with him. So if you're taking notes this morning, and, or even if you're not, I want you to know, humble people are honest before God. Humble people are honest before God. Look at what this tax collector said. Verse 13. God, have mercy on me, a what? What does it say? Sinner. A sinner. Man, he was honest before God. He was genuine before God. He knew what he was. He was a sinner. When was the last time you were honest, not only before God, when was the last time you were honest with yourself about how you stand in your walk with the Lord? And again, we all have ways to make ourselves feel better about different things. We've got to be honest. And that's what humility is all about. We've got we to gotta take a step back and say, how am I really doing? Am I really following the Lord? I mean, some of you in here today may have never been honest before God, may have never been honest with yourself even. And you walked into this place maybe thinking you were pretty good for getting up and going to church on a Sunday morning. And you're hoping some way, somehow, that outweighs everything else that your life has been or what it is. Listen, the Bible says that we all are sinners in need of a Savior. 
every single one of us, and we have to humble ourselves and be honest before God. And here's the truth. God already knows. And so you don't need or, or need to think that you should be fake with him. I think one of the places that people are the fakest is church. I mean, let's be real. One of the places that people are the fakest is church. Man, we think that we have to come all, you know, looking good with our Bibles. And when we walk in with our Bibles, we want people to think we've read it all week. We want people to think we've followed it to a T all week. And we want people to think, man, we're at church and we're doing better than all everybody else here. Now, we wouldn't say it out loud. But boy, we hope that people think that, don't, don't we? Man, God's looking for people who are real. People who are honest. People who are genuine before him to say, we need you. That is why we're here in this place. That is why we want to follow your word because we need you. We can't do it by ourselves. And that's what we see this tax collector doing. Look at what he says. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now this term, have mercy on me, it's interesting because most of the time when you see the word mercy uh, in the New Testament, it's actually a different Greek word. What's interesting here is this is more, it carries the idea of forgive me. Kind of the idea of atoning for sin. And when he says, have mercy on me, he's essentially saying, God, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for where I've fallen short. Forgive me because I'm a humble man. And not only is he saying, forgive me, he's so humbled by the thought of how he looks before God. Look at what it says. Verse 13, he wouldn't even raise his eyes to heaven, and he kept striking his chest. Now, striking his chest, was, that was a way that they expressed anguish, remorse. He kept saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. A humble and right response when we have sinned is not to offer up excuses about it, not to compare ourselves with anyone else, to try to make ourselves look better. A humble and right response to people who are, uh, by people who are honest before God is that humble people seek forgiveness from God. Humble people seek forgiveness from God. Today, as you think about your own life, as, my, as I think about mine, we have to ask, is there anything in our lives that we need to ask God to forgive us for? And I know sometimes we're reluctant when we feel like, well, I've been saved already. It doesn't matter. He's forgiven me past, present, and future. No, it does matter. Because we want our relationship with the Lord to be right. You know, God's grace is always there. He's always faithful. But many times we're unfaithful. And we've got to come back and say, God, I'm sorry. Help me to live like you've called me to live. Maybe this morning, as you think about your life, you've got to humble yourself and realize you need to ask God to forgive you. Maybe you've been participating in something for years, and your pride has made you to the point that you refuse and refuse and refuse to confess something before God, and it's gotten to the point that you don't even feel guilty about it anymore because you've said no so many times. This morning is the time to get that right with the Lord because humble people are honest before God. They know who they are because they compare themselves to the righteousness of the Lord and humble people go to God and ask him to forgive them. Here's the good news. 
Again, I said that over and over the Bible repeatedly warns of pride. But it also repeatedly, again, tells us and encourages us about humility. Look at what Jesus says in verse 14. Remember, these two guys, totally opposite in character as far as from the outside, but also totally opposite in character on the inside. And look at what he says. I tell you, this one, talking about the tax collector, the one who was humble, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other. What does justified mean? It means he was forgiven. He was made right with God. That one left the temple and went back right with the Lord because he was humble. The self-righteous one didn't. Even though he thought he, man, he thought he had everything together. The truth is he was not justified before the Lord. And here's the reason why the humble man, the tax collector, was justified rather than the other. Because, look at what it says, everyone who exalts himself will be humble. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Maybe there's somebody here today who was a little bit nervous about coming to church. Maybe you thought, you know, I, these people don't know, or if they know that I don't have it all together or whatever, I, I'm, I'm going to look weird in a church. You know, you may feel like, should I even go there to honor the Lord or, you know, with the sin that I've done or what, like, should I, should I even show up? I want you to know this morning, if you feel like you don't have it all together, I want you to know that none of us do. Some of us are just better at faking it than others. None of us have it all together. And I want you to know that God knows all of our flaws. He knows all of our shortcomings. And he loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross and pay the price for those flaws and shortcomings. And he wants to forgive you. He wants you to turn from these things and have eternal life, to give you eternal life. And that's why he came. I mean, we, we saw a picture of his death here as we observed the Lord's Supper this morning. And as you think about that, I want you to know, again, the Bible says that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And what we've earned because of our sin is death and separation from God for eternity in hell. And the reason it's for eternity is because the debt is so great that we owe, we could never pay it. We spend eternity trying to, to pay it, and it can never be paid by us. But the good news is, Jesus died on the cross, and because He was perfect, He was the spotless Lamb of God, He was enough to pay that debt. And He did pay that debt. And on the third day, as we witnessed a few moments ago in baptism through that symbol, He rose to life. And for those who repent and trust in Him as Savior, you too can raise to newness of life. You too can have eternal life. You can have joy by living in Christ and you can give Him honor with your life. The Bible says that when you repent and turn to Jesus, you will have eternal life that will never, ever end. And that's what it's talking about when it says, everyone who exalts himself will one day be humbled. But everyone who humbles himself, that person 
will be exalted. Have you been living in pride? Maybe you've been trying to fool God or fool other people, make excuses for what you do. The Bible says if you continue in that pride, you're going to be humbled. But if you humble yourself, God will exalt you. If you don't know Jesus today, today is the day of salvation, but it takes an act of humility. It takes us going before the Lord and admitting who we are and what we've done and asking God to forgive us and trusting him in our, instead of ourselves. It takes that humility. Today is your day for salvation. In just a moment, we're going to sing, and I'll be standing down front. If you want to come and say, I want to be saved today, I want to know Jesus, you can come and talk to me. You can come pray right here. But just know, before you leave today, you have the invitation, you have the opportunity to come to Christ. Maybe for some of you, you've never been baptized, and some of that's maybe a little bit of pride. And it takes some humility to stand in front of people and to be baptized, especially if we get nervous about being in front of people. Maybe today you need to humble yourself and say, I've got to follow Jesus. He told me to be baptized, so I'm going to do it. Maybe for you, there's a sin that you've been holding on to or a situation that you've yet to trust him with and, and you've been clinging to your self-righteousness or clinging to yourself for your security. See, being humble and honest before God always helps us keep in mind the need to repent and keeps our hearts and minds focused on the gospel. Like, we can do nothing without Christ. So let me tell you this morning, as we've seen in God's word, whatever your situation Let's all leave here as humble people, being honest before God. Let's be real and genuine for him. Let's seek forgiveness from God where we need it. We all need forgiveness in many ways. But let's allow God to be the one to exalt us instead of us trying to exalt ourselves. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that even though we mess up in different ways, that your grace is there to cover us, and not only that, but your word reminds us time and again, gives us another opportunity to make ourselves right with you where we need to be. Lord, I know in a room of this size, there are folks here who not only have dealt with pride, but maybe someone's holding on to that this morning. I pray that you will help them be genuine and honest before you, to see themselves as you see them. Lord, I pray that you'll help us all remember that the only goodness and righteousness we have is because of Christ and is in Christ. Lord, help us to leave here encouraged by that, knowing that even though we fall short, Christ's perfection and his death and resurrection and it's through that lens of how you see us. So, Lord, I pray for that person who needs to be saved today. I pray for that person who maybe needs to be baptized or, or let go of some other part of their life. That you would help them to drop their pride today and humble themselves. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.